I guess the scripture reading gave a way, and the outline, I guess, gives away the, the person that we're going to be talking about. But we're going to talk about Nicodemus, a Pharisee worth following. Usually, the term Nicodemus, or, or I mean the, the phrase, the term Pharisee, well, you don't want to be called that. That's a bad word in religious circles. You Pharisee, have you ever had somebody say that to you? You're just a Pharisee. And they get all, you have such a pharisaical attitude. Usually those statements come when a person maybe can't answer a question or they've been found contradicting scripture and, and they want to dismiss scripture and, and the term has been abused. But rightly, the Pharisees had much for which to be condemned. In fact, Jesus did a lot of it. Read Matthew chapter 23 sometime and look at some of the scathing rebukes that Jesus gave to the scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, he called them. Pharisees were known for uh, their separatist attitude. That's what they wanted to be. They wanted to separate themselves, I think, in the beginning for a noble purpose to, to I'm tired of this worldliness. We've got to close ranks, circle the wagons, and start living according to the commandments of God. And, and that's admirable. But in an effort to do that, they began to make uh, hedges, build hedges around the law. Um, if the law said you can go 30 feet, uh, they said, well, 25 would be safer because you don't want to get out to 30. You might accidentally step over, go 31. That'd be wrong. So let's just pull it in a little tighter and let's not go farther than 25 feet. And by doing that, they began to make rules that God did not make and, and that thus the pharisaical attitude of some people. But not all Pharisees were worthy of condemnation. There were some Pharisees that had not just given such uh, attention to the details that they had forgotten other weightier matters, uh, such as their attitude. There's a man in particular, a man by the name of Nicodemus, you probably remember him as the man who came to Jesus by night, the man to whom Jesus said, you must be born again. That man is mentioned three times in Scripture. And all three occasions, that's not much to be mentioned in Scripture when you consider men like Abraham and David and Moses and so forth. But it's pretty special to get your name in Scripture. Of all the people that lived back in that day, to have you singled out and not mentioned once, but twice, but three times, God mentions this man. And in every instance, he is what I would hope to be. He's a Pharisee worth following. You know, when I was preparing this lesson, Brian came to me last week and he said, what, what are some songs um, that would go along with the lesson? The only one that came to mind was, um, You Must Be Born Again. Do, do any of you remember that song? Yeah, I thought, for sure, it's in that songbook. Uh, a ruler once came to the Savior by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. Well, I looked, it wasn't in the songbook. I was shocked by that. And I guess, so that takes me back, you know, the, the songbook I grew up with, it wasn't in that. That's the ones we have. And I guess it was the one we used before that was I was probably 10 years old. Um, Sacred Selections, I think, is the name of it. And I looked it up, and sure enough, it was in that. So it's been a long time probably since we've sung that, but many of you may remember it. 
But um, Nicodemus, John chapter 3, if you have your Bible, turn there. He's a ruler, a Pharisee. And listen to what it says. He was a Pharisee. His name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these great signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said, Well, how, how in the world, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Obviously, he didn't understand what Jesus meant by the phrase, be born again. And so Jesus clarifies that expression by telling the details of what it means to be born again. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, um, Nicodemus, if you read just a little bit further down, Nicodemus in verse 9 says, how can these things be? He still doesn't quite understand, even though Jesus gave an explanation. And Jesus says, most, uh, or Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Now, here's the first point about Nicodemus that I want you to see. And it's a trait worth following. Number one, Nicodemus came to Jesus. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a spiritual leader. He has a reputation. And he comes to Jesus and he acknowledges Jesus as one come from God. He acknowledges him as a rabbi. He said, nobody can do the things that you're doing. And let me say this too. A lot is said about Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Yeah, he did. But treat him fairly. Treat him with the same kind of... You know, we know that it's not fair to judge one another's motives. We, we preach against that, right? We're not supposed to judge people. We say it all the time. And when we see it, we can identify it. But then we turn around and treat Bible characters with the kind of judgment that we shouldn't do to one another here in the here and now. Why did Nicodemus come to Jesus by night? Oh, I know why. He was a ruler of the Pharisees, and he was ashamed, and he was coming under the cover of darkness. Nobody, nobody would see him, and uh, so he, his job would stay secure. He didn't want anybody to know. Well, from what I know about Nicodemus, I doubt that to be the case. But here's the point. You don't know why he came. And with that kind of an attitude, if the Bible said he came to Jesus at noon, you know what somebody could say? I wonder why he came at noon. Because he's lazy. He slept in every morning, didn't get up till 1030. You know, he's a sluggard. And that's why he didn't come till noon. You see, we can't put those kind of motives on people. Um, the fact is, he came to Jesus by night. It could have been he didn't get off work until night. And that was the first opportunity he had. But here's a man, regardless of why he came by night, the Bible records that to us. Maybe it's just a part of the narrative. That he comes to Jesus by night, and he says, I know you're a teacher. You're come from God. Teach me. 
I think that that kind of an attitude is the kind of attitude that, that we should have. There's exhibited in him two things by his coming to Jesus. Number one, there's honesty. He's willing to admit, you're a teacher from God. A lot of his contemporaries, a lot of his peers would not even admit that. What what are we going to do with this guy? He's doing miracles. Uh, He must be doing it of the power of the devil. He didn't play that game. He comes and he's honest. I see what you're doing. No way can anybody do that unless they are of God. And so you have my attention. And second, he comes humbly. He's asking questions. He doesn't act like, oh, I'm one of the rulers of the Jews. I'm a leader. I'm a Pharisee. Uh, I have the answers. You come to me. Now, he's humble. And he says, I don't get it. What do you mean we must be born again? Can a man enter into his mother's womb? I don't understand what you're saying. And even after he explains it, he still is humble enough to say, I still don't quite understand what you're saying. How can these things be? And I think the greatest sign of his humility is exhibited when Jesus then says the next thing he says. Jesus says to him, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know this? It's like, you've got to be kidding me. You're a religious leader among the people of God and you don't understand this? You know how that would affect some people if you talk to them that way? Well, I've never been spoken to like that in all my life. You know, just have this attitude. They're offended. They're, they're insulted. You're, in, you're, you're insulting my intelligence. We're, we're not having a discussion anymore. I'm going on my way and leaving you in the dust. That's not what happens with Nicodemus. Jesus challenges his knowledge of the Scriptures, and he's not upset. And when Jesus says, do you... You don't understand this? Even after I explained it, you still don't get it? He doesn't get offended and takes his scroll and go home. And we'll see that that's the case as we run into his examples a little bit later. Friends, here's what I want this want to be impressed upon you with this first introduction to Nicodemus in Scripture. Come to Jesus with those two attitudes. Come to him in truth. Listen, he is the son of God. I'm not going to argue with what he says. I'm not going to try to defend my pet theories. If he contradicts something that I've always held and cherished and believed, I'm going to go with him because he is from God and I'm just doing the best I can to muddle through some things. If Jesus says it, believe it. He is of God. And the second thing is be humble. Some of the most proud, arrogant people, and this is, this is an indictment of people kind of like me. Some of the most proud, arrogant people I know are preachers that are full of themselves. Who are you to question me? 
They get into discussions and they, they, they get, you know, uh, all bowed up. They, they won't listen to the other person talk because they're too interested in defending what they say. And they don't even give each other a fair hearing. They'll hear something and run a direction uh, that makes the other person look bad. They create straw man arguments for the other person. It's not fair. They don't deal with, deal with each other fairly because they're... they're They're more interested in defending their reputation and standing with their chest puffed up than they are in seeking truth. And I know that's prone or that we're all prone to that. All people are prone to that. But I I see it a lot in religious leaders. Nicodemus is a religious leader and he's confronted with something that he doesn't understand. And he doesn't take insults. He just says, I don't get it. Well, point number one, Nicodemus, he came to Christ and he came humbly and he came acknowledging truth. You're true. I may need some instruction. Here's the second time. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 7. This is the second time we read about Nicodemus. In John chapter 7, And, uh, well, if you back up to verse 45, these officers had been sent to arrest Jesus by Pharisees. And uh, they um, they had gone to arrest him, but they had come back empty handed. And this gives us the account. When the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, why have you brought him? The offer, or why have uh, you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? You've got to be kidding me. We sent you to go arrest this man, and you come back empty-handed, and we ask you why, and you say, We've never heard anybody like him. You've got to be kidding me, they say. Are you blind too? Are you deceived by this man? Verse 48, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? They asked that question. Is there anyone here that believes in him? And notice who speaks up. Verse 50, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? And they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Here's Nicodemus in the midst of this assembly of religious leaders who have sent some soldiers to go arrest Jesus. The soldiers come back empty-handed. And they say, Where is he? Why didn't you bring him? And they said, never heard anybody speak like that. We couldn't arrest that man. And they're incredulous that the the officers didn't arrest him. And they say, have you been taken in too? Have you bought this stuff? I can't believe it. Is anyone here believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And I'm sure there was a hushed silence. But it's Nicodemus who speaks up and says, hey, guys, I don't know if we're going about this the right way. We shouldn't judge a man until he's heard. What he does is he speaks up in defense of Jesus, 
among a bunch of folks, the one Jesus put to death. That's courageous. He spoke up for Jesus in a hostile crowd. Pharisees aren't all bad, are they? I know what the majority of the Pharisees were wanting to do to Jesus here, but here's a Pharisee worth following. And I'll tell you what, we find ourselves frequently in situations like Nicodemus where we're in a crowd, and for the most part, the crowd is hostile toward Christ or, or Christian ethics in general. And we'll hear people... Well, the other day, um, there was... Well, I can't even remember who it was. On television, they were just ranting about some Christian thing. What do, you ever go to the barber shop? And you hear people, or, or the beauty shop, and you hear people ragging on truth. What do you do? Do you sit there and stay quiet? Or do you speak up in defense of truth, in defense of Jesus? Jesus needs a voice in this world. You know, sometimes people say, well, the, the truth will take care of itself. Truth doesn't need defending. Well, sure it does. Paul said, I'm set for the defense of the gospel. The truth needs held up and supported by the church and by those who love truth. But when you hear people rag on the plan of salvation, will you stand up and speak the truth? When you hear people say things like, well, it doesn't matter how you worship, because all worship, if it's honestly given to God, he, he accepts that. God's not some hard-nosed guy up there just wanting to, to bash people. If, if you give something to him in a way that is uh, sincere, he'll take it. Are you going to speak up for the truth on that? Are you going to speak up for the truth when, when people uh, talk about purity issues, the way people dress, places they go, that's accepted by the world? But who are we kidding? You know, I find it interesting. A lot of things are justified as people are engaging in them or want to engage in them. But when they get past that, in hindsight, they can look back and say, you know, that really wasn't right. We can often justify and rationalize whatever we want to do. But the truth is easy to discern. Are we going to stand up for truth when society says otherwise? Nicodemus is a bunch uh, among all of his peers, his fellow co-workers, and they're just taken back that anyone would believe Jesus, and he has the nerve to speak up and say, you might want to count me as one of them, because we're not dealing fairly with this man. And it appears that uh, there were ramifications of that. Because they begin to challenge him. You've got to be kidding me. Did you just say what I think you said? Stand up for Jesus. Follow this Pharisee. And don't let people speak evil against Christ, his church, his scheme of redemption. Defend it. Be a voice that even if it stands contrary uh, to the majority, even if you suffer for it, God needs a voice in this world today. And then let's turn to the third and final time we read about Nicodemus. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 19. And we'll look at verse 31. 
Jesus has just been crucified, and he's dead, and the Sabbath is approaching, and they've got to get his body off the cross and get it in the tomb before the Sabbath arrives. And um, so they, they, they've got it worked out. You remember Jesus was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And, but listen to what it says. Therefore, because it was preparation day, the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they might uh, be taken away. And the soldiers uh, came and broke the legs first of uh, the others who were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he, had, he was already dead, they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers uh, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And um, that's, we go down a little bit further. It's verse 39 is what I'm trying to get your attention to. So that's the setting, but listen what happens. Verse 38, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body. So he comes and says, Pilate, can, can I have the body of Jesus? You know, I know you've got to get him down, and so the, uh, what, can I just have him? I'll put him in my tomb. And Pilate says, okay, you can have him. Take him. And, verse 39, Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Then they... Who's the they? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen and spices and as were the customs of the Jews uh, to bury. And they, they buried Jesus there. But this is a time in the life of Jesus where the disciples fled. His closest companions who had been groomed and trained for three years. They saw the miracles that Jesus did on a daily basis. They were with him. They, can you imagine what it would have been like to have walked with Jesus for three, day, three years and seen the things that he did? It would be mind-boggling. But these people who knew Jesus better than anybody... When it comes to push, when push comes to shove, you, you know what they do? They flee, every one of them. They're gone. When Jesus is arrested, they, they flee. But here's a man, a Pharisee, who when everybody else is afraid and running away, running away, this man comes and says, let me help. And he and Joseph of Arimathea take the body of Jesus. Why would he do that? Why would Nicodemus, this Pharisee, be there and help a man get the body of Jesus off the cross and take him and bury him and wind him in the strips and everything? Why would he do that? Apparently, he had a vested interest, don't you think? I, I'm convinced that Nicodemus had become a follower of Jesus. 
And unlike the other followers that night who ran and fled for their own lives and their own safety, Nicodemus, as they're running away, is coming to Jesus to minister to him even in death. Here's a man who came inquiring, Who are you? I know you're from God, but teach me. And he defends Jesus to those who were trying to arrest him. And they finally have their way and they put him to death. And it's Nicodemus who is there on the spot, again, serving Jesus. Listen, we need to honor Jesus like Nicodemus did. Here, Jesus is dead. He's gone. It's his body that's left. And he's not going to let that body be dishonored any more than it has to be. And he gives it a proper burial. Can we not also follow this Pharisee in respect of honoring Jesus with our lives? Can we defend him? Can we honor him? Can, well, Matthew 5, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Can we not live our lives in such a way that God is glorified through Jesus Christ or Christ is glorified through his church? Ephesians 3 and verse 21. I tell you, most Pharisees, from what you read in Scripture, they didn't have much on the ball. They had missed the mark on a lot of matters. They had some things right, and Jesus said they did. But their attitude and their their heavy handed approach to the scriptures and to the laws that God gave was out of kilter. And while we might say and use, and that term may become a a term of derision in our culture today, there was at least one Pharisee that was worth following. His name was Nicodemus. And I want to call you as you leave here this week and, and or leave here today and go out through this week to try to be more like a Pharisee, not any Pharisee, but this Pharisee. He came to Jesus and he came to him humbly, willing to learn, pride, none to speak of. He also spoke for Jesus. When he was around others that would rag on him, he stood up and said, no, this isn't right. I'm going to speak my mind. And he also gave or lived in such a way that he tried to bring honor to Christ. So should we. I want to call you to be more like this Pharisee. This week as you go out in the world, you're faced with people who, well, much like the Pharisees of the first century, don't have a great deal of appreciation for who Jesus was. So how are you going to live? What are you going to do this week? Speak up for him. Set a good example for others. Honor Christ in all things. Be humble, teachable. There are people that can teach you things every day. Don't think you know it all. There's always more to learn. Develop and own those attributes that were present in Nicodemus. And I think you'll find the the pleasure of God upon your life as well. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God... I'll tell you, the same thing that Jesus told Nicodemus is what I'm going to tell you. You have to be born again. What do you mean by that? What's it mean to be born again? You have to be 
born of water and the spirits. There's nothing, what else in the Christian system could that water symbolize but baptism? And Jesus says, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The only way, unless it's this way, it's not going to happen. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you want to follow him, if you want to be born again, Listen to what Jesus said. Be born of water and the Spirit today. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need to make your life right, maybe you haven't been standing up for Jesus like you should. Maybe you haven't been defending him or honoring him as you should. Take courage. Renew your commitment to him and live like Nicodemus did. If you need the prayers of your brethren or need to be baptized into Christ this morning, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.